Good morning. All right, you should be getting a handout here. Um, it's a chart, and we'll make some references to it. So if, you, if you'd like one, please do take one. There's plenty. There should be plenty of them. Uh, Andrew already mentioned we have officially entered into the month of December, and I suppose you could say that December uh, brings upon us the gift-giving season, and we are going to be talking for the next three weeks about spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you're a Christian, if you've been born again and you have the Spirit of God within you, you have been given a spiritual gift by the Lord. Um, It is a tremendous thing to receive the gift of salvation. Uh, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, That's a wonderful thing, to get eternal life as a gift from God. And hopefully we're all aware of that, that God is extending to mankind the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But his grace goes beyond that, believe it or not. His grace goes beyond the gift of salvation. His grace has given not only the gift of eternal life, but spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. Now, I have no idea what each of you are thinking at the present time as to what spiritual gifts are. What do I mean? What does the Bible mean? Well, that's what we're going to consider. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul says, uh, you can turn there if you like, but I'm just going to reference one verse briefly as we get into an introduction. Paul says to the believers at Corinth, Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Basically saying, I don't want you all in the church at Corinth to have no understanding or knowledge of spiritual gifts. And I suppose we could say the same here today. It is the desire of this assembly that we would not, we collectively, all of us, would not be ignorant of spiritual gifts, that we would have good understanding as to what spiritual gifts are, how do we get them, how do we use them, and so forth and so on. We don't want to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. The chart that you're getting will be referenced perhaps a few times today. It's for you to, uh, for your own benefit. It is given as a help to you. Uh, It is not, so to speak, the final word on spiritual gifts. Uh, especially as it pertains to the categorization of spiritual gifts. You'll notice that there's two pages. The gifts, all of the spiritual gifts that we can find identified in the Bible are listed, uh, some on one side, some on the other side. What's the difference between the two sides? Well, some are categorized as being temporary gifts to the early church, whereas page one are the permanent gifts to the New Testament church. So this type of categorization, I just want to say from the outset, um, is based upon interpretation of the word of God and not everybody agrees on it, believe it or not. Could you believe that? Yeah, not everybody agrees. So it's given to you as a help. 
The categories are given to you as a help. Again, I'm not saying it's the absolute final word because I don't have a text of scripture that says this is how we categorize these gifts. But what we do, like with every big topic like worship and love and fellowship and all these things, we look to the word of God. We have to draw things from all kind of different places in the word of God to get a well-rounded understanding and um so that chart is given as a help, and I do want to just say as well, uh, uh, the chart is an adaptation of a chart in Uplook magazine from 2008. So I want to give credit to where credit is due. Uh, there's a few minor revisions to it, but basically, if you look at Uplook magazine, Spiritual Gifts 2008, for those of you who know what that is, that chart is from there, and I do want to thank the brothers that put that together. That was a big help to me. Spiritual Gifts. Spiritual Gifts are real. And they're really important. They are real and they're really, really important. Spiritual gifts are how the church operates at maximum efficiency and effectiveness in the world today. Spiritual gifts are how the church, you and I, all of us corporately together, for anyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and is willing to throw their lot in with the church of God, spiritual gifts are how the church operates at maximum efficiency and effectiveness in the world today. So are they important? Oh, you bet they're important. Spiritual gifts are very, very important. In fact, I bet that there, there is the exercise of spiritual gift going on in our midst. I know there is, and I bet some of us don't even know it. We don't even realize it. Certainly, there is the exercise of spiritual gift happening because lots of spiritual gift exercise, the use of spiritual gifts, oftentimes is not done in public. It's done in private. Gifts like giving and mercy. You'll see them on your chart. We'll see them in the scriptures. Lots of these things are done in private. So in case you're sitting here today and saying, now, wait a minute, I've never thought about spiritual gifts, but the church here seems to be going okay. I didn't even know that spiritual gifts were, well, they are in operation. Maybe you haven't noticed, but they are. And again, there may be many gifts that are happening that are being used, that Christians are using spiritual gifts in a private way that you're not even seeing it. And maybe we won't see it, and that's okay as well. But spiritual gifts are real, and they're really important. I want to say a word or two about the church before we talk about spiritual gifts. Of course, the church and spiritual gifts are absolutely intricately linked and cannot be separated. If you do not understand the importance of the church of the living God, you will not understand the importance of spiritual gifts. Because it is spiritual gifts that are used that God has given to the church to allow it to operate at maximum effectiveness and efficiency. If you have no understanding or care for the importance of the New Testament church, well, you're not going to care about spiritual gifts. You'll be ignorant of them. They are real. They're really important. Why? Because it is the church that is the living, spiritual, and eternal organism, which God is growing for a witness to the world and ultimately for his eternal glory and our eternal joy. This is the New Testament church. Friends, I'm not talking about the building here, by the way. I'm not talking about any church building. The church, according to the New Testament, is never a building other than spiritually speaking. That you and I are living stones being built up one on top of the other 
as a, a spiritual house, a spiritual building to God. The church is a, is a body, metaphorically, spiritually. You and I are all parts of the body. All of our bodies have lots of members, right? You could say lots of different body parts, body members. Well, I've got lots of members in my body. Well, the New Testament church is very much the same. In fact, the most vivid illustration, the most vivid metaphor of the church given in the New Testament is that of the body, literal body. The church is given the body as a metaphor so that we can understand that the church has many parts, but one body. Yes, many body parts on me make up my one body. Well, the church is is comprised of many different members that make up the spiritual and eternal body of Christ. This is the church, according to the New Testament. It is not ultimately through politics or athletics, nor government, nor military, nor Hollywood, nor Wall Street, that God is working. Though his hand may be seen working in some of these things at different times, yet all of these things will crumble, they will fail, they will fall away, and only one body, only one building remains for eternity. That is the church of the living God. The church is the living body of Christ here on earth, Romans 12, 5. It is the church that presently displays the manifold wisdom of God. Listen to this. If it weren't in the Bible, I'm not sure we'd believe it. But Ephesians 3.10 tells us that the church displays the manifold wisdom of God to the unseen principalities and powers in heavenly places. This is the church of the living God. Not the building, literally around us, but you and I, each one who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It is the church that displays the manifold wisdom of God. It is the church that has been entrusted with the proclamation of the gospel to see people saved and brought into God's family. It is the church that is called on not only to proclaim life in Christ to the world, but to live out the love of Christ. This is what Jesus said, right? By your love, they will know that you're my disciples. We proclaim life of the life from Christ to the world. This is what we do as the church. We display the love of Christ to the world. And we operate uh, in a very real sense by performing the labor of Christ in the world around us. This is the church of the living God. This is the New Testament church. And it is through spiritual gifts that the church, the body of Christ is edified. That is to say, is built up. Think about this for a minute. A body that isn't growing up is in real trouble, isn't it? A body, a physical body that isn't growing up is in real trouble. We got to figure it out. We got to get to the doctor and figure out what it is. Why is the little one not growing? A body that's not growing is in real trouble. In fact, a child in their undeveloped state is weak and unstable. A child not fully developed, not fully mature, is gullible and therefore susceptible. Why? Because a child isn't developed. They haven't grown up. 
You know what the word of God says to the New Testament church? In no uncertain terms, the Lord is pleading that the body of Christ will grow up. Grow up. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at this for one moment. Ephesians chapter 4. The Lord is pleading through the Apostle Paul that the Ephesian church and that every church will grow up. Why? Because it's a body. And a body that's not growing up is in real, real, real desperate trouble. The body needs to grow. Ephesians 4.11 says this, And he himself, this is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, gifted men, spiritually gifted men given to the church. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, that is to say, the building up of the body of Christ. Look at what verse 14 says. That we should no longer be children. Think about this for a moment. This text is written to the Ephesian church. The context of this text is corporate, not private. Corporate, not private. So that we as a church, not just individually, but we corporately as a church should no longer be children or like children that are tossed to and fro. Children are unstable. Listen, I don't let my kids outside my front door in today's society because they're weak. They don't like to hear that, but they are. They're weak. They're unstable. Someone could snatch them up. Well, similarly, the body of Christ, if it remains undeveloped, if it doesn't grow up, it can get tossed to and fro individually. Yes, each of us individually, but corporately as well and carried about with every wind of doctrine. My children's minds are gullible. They're susceptible. I've got to protect them. Why? Because they haven't developed. They haven't grown up. The body of Christ can be the very same way. The church corporately could, could fall into this, could be childlike in this sense, that as a church we could be this type that we haven't grown up. We're getting tossed around to and fro. We're unstable. We're weak. Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. It is so important that the church grows up. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every single part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying, the building up of itself in love. It is critically important that the body of Christ grows up, that each New Testament church develops, grows, becomes mature, that we don't remain corporately as a childlike gathering. Well, how is this accomplished? 
How is this accomplished? Well, we read in verse 11, he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There are gifted men given to the church. Verse 7 said to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Chapter 4, verse 16 said, The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. That includes you and you and you and me. Every single one of us. How will the church grow up? How has God ordained that the body of Christ will become mature, developed? It is through spiritual gifts through spiritual gifts, through the operation of spiritual gifts to the effective working, Ephesians 4, 16, by which every part does its share. Then that causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Are spiritual gifts important? Spiritual gifts are critically, critically important because the body needs to grow. The body needs to grow and develop. And when spiritual gifts are not being exercised, the body has a very hard time growing up. And it will remain immature, undeveloped, weak, unstable, and susceptible to every wind of doctrine. Tragedy as that would be, it does happen. So, spiritual gifts. Um, Let's consider... A definition. Oh, let me get this on. Okay, so first of all, I do want to say that as we come to spiritual gifts, thank you, Dave, for mentioning this this morning already, that when we come to spiritual gifts, many questions come up. Many questions. Who are spiritual gifts, uh, uh, who are spiritual gifts given to? Uh, who gives these spiritual gifts? Uh, are spiritual gifts important? How are spiritual gifts different from natural talents and why does it matter? Lots of questions. Are spiritual gifts the same things as the fruit of the Spirit? What is the present purpose of spiritual gifts? How can I discover my spiritual gift? Can I have more than one spiritual gift? How do I use a spiritual gift? Are the lists of gifts in the scripture comprehensive? Or could there be some gifts outside of that? What are the most important spiritual gifts? Should I pray to ask the Lord for certain gifts? What is the end goal of spiritual gifts? Now, maybe a few of these questions we've already kind of answered. But we do come up with lots of questions. We're going to start this morning, and perhaps some of you are even here, saying what? In the world is a spiritual gift. What is a spiritual gift? So for the next three weeks, we're going to consider spiritual gifts. Are they important? They're vitally important. Today, we're going to consider a working definition of spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? We're going to consider that today. Next week, we're going to consider some key factors concerning the use of spiritual gifts. If you want a little bit of homework, to do this week. Uh, Some of us at times are looking for things to study in the word of God. Think about seven things in our key passages, which I'm going to give to you, seven things regarding spiritual gifts. And you could read these passages and I tell you they'll come to life. There is a a mindset. uh, There is a metaphor. 
and there is a motive. The mindset, humility. The metaphor, the body, we already talked about that. And the motive, charity, love. If you want to look at the several passages this week, that's what we'll be doing next week, is those seven key factors concerning spiritual gifts. Uh, Mindset, metaphor, motive. By the way, when we look at the metaphor, how I get to seven is the metaphor of the body expands, and we're going to see things like unity, diversity, responsibility, individuality. These are all parts of the body of Christ, or all factors that we ought to consider. And then lastly, The last week, Lord willing, will consider spiritual gifts themselves. Now, here is a working definition. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift, I'm sorry, spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities, or you could say special enablements sent from God by grace to maximize a Christian's spiritual service. Their end goals are the edification of the body of Christ and the glorification of of God. This is not a final definition, but a working definition of spiritual gifts. So what we're going to do today in our remaining time, we're going to break this definition out into seven parts and we're going to, and we're going to consider uh, in detail what we mean by this. So number one, spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities or special enablements. This is the first part of our definition. What do we mean by this? Well, first of all, let me say this. If you want to study spiritual gifts, there are four key passages in the New Testament. Not only four, but four key passages. Uh, many of us are aware of these. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you could throw in 13 and 14 as well, but at least chapter 12. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4. So we've got two 12s and two 4s. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. And if you look at each of these uh, passages, if you're taking notes, I'm sorry, let me give you a little bit more detail on that. Romans 12 is ver- are verses 3 to 9. Uh, uh, if 1 Corinthians 12 is the whole chapter, basically. You can look at the whole chapter of of uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Ephesians 4 is verse 1 to 16. We just considered some of those verses from Ephesians 4, but you do want to look at verses 1 to 16. And then 1 Peter 4 is even less. It's just a few verses. Really, uh, you can look at verses 10 and 11, two verses in 1 Peter 4. So you want to look at it. Those are the, those are the references. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time. Spiritual gifts, what are they? Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities, or you could say special enablements. Now, flip your chart to page one of one, which says permanent gifts. And notice that, uh, by the way, I could use one of those. I don't know why I didn't take one of them. If, if uh, Thank you. Appreciate that. So if you look at the gifts on page one of two, permanent gifts to the church, you will notice things like evangelists, shepherds, teaching, exhortation, and so forth and so on. What's the point? Well, for right now, just observe the fact that many of these things listed, which are spiritual gifts, are all things that each of us should be doing to some degree or another. Okay, so I don't want to start off by confusing you, but I do want to say that when we look at these things, evangelists, should you be evangelizing? Every one of you? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Should you be shepherding? Well, maybe not in the most literal sense, but you are taking care of certain ones. I trust your children, maybe your parents, maybe spiritual uh, children around you that you're helping, that you're caring for. Should you be teaching? There's all kind of different venues for teaching. Yes, I trust you're teaching your kids and you're teaching your spouses and your so forth and so on. Exhortation, which includes encouragement. Should we all be encouraging? Yes, we should. We are all leaders to some degree or another and so forth and so on. It gets even more obvious as you go. Service and giving and mercy. We should all be merciful. We should all be faithful. We should all be helpful and so forth and so on. So all of these are things that each of us should be doing to one degree or another. But the whole point of spiritual gifts, the reason why Paul, through the Holy Spirit, writes Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, is to help us to see that there there is an extra measure of grace given to individual Christians in one or more of these realms. So that some of us may become to be known as an evangelist. Barnabas in the Bible was known as the encourager. I assume he had the gift of exhortation. I'm sure he did other things. In fact, we know that he prophesied and he taught and he did other things. But what he was known for was exhortation. Why? Because he had the spiritual gift of exhortation. Billy Graham was known as the evangelist. Yeah, I'm sure he did other things. I'm sure he was merciful and helpful and giving and all of that. But he was known as the evangelist because God gifted him that way. There was an extra measure of grace, a supernatural ability that kind of distinguished him in a certain way. It's easy to see in some. Charles Spurgeon, the teacher, no doubt. George Mueller, the man of faith. Gift of faith, I assume. I don't know how a man could operate like that other than a supernatural gift of faith. So while all of these are things that we should all be doing as Christians to one degree or another, the whole point of spiritual gifts is that each of us have been given an extra measure of grace, an extra, a supernatural ability in one or more of these areas. So look at Romans chapter 12 in verse, uh, let's look at verse 4. This will help to, to tie our minds to the whole idea that we've been talking about. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Notice what he says in verse 6. After using the metaphor of the body, which is a tremendous... Sometimes when we preach, we have to come up with illustrations or examples... But when it comes to the body of Christ and spiritual gifts, we don't, I don't need to try very hard to come up with the metaphor and illustration because the word of God has given it to us. And it's a tremendous metaphor. But look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing. So while each of these things, and he's going to list them here in Romans 12, not all of them, but some of what we have on our list are taken right out of Romans 12. Prophecy and ministry and teaching and so forth, verses 6 and 7 and 8 will say exhortation and giving and leading and mercy and all of these things. These are extra measures of grace, supernatural abilities, special enablements that have been given to the church to specific individuals by the Lord, by the Lord. And so we'll get into that. I want you to think about the beauty of this for a minute. 
when, okay, let me say this first. When we look at this list of gifts, which are taken, you've got the references there, they're pulled out of the scripture. I look at this list and one could easily look at it and say, evangelism. Who was a better evangelist than the Lord Jesus himself? Shepherds. Who was a better shepherd than the Lord Jesus himself? Teaching. Who was a better teacher than the Lord Jesus himself? Who was a better encourager, a better leader? Who was better at service? And so forth and so on. The Lord Jesus is the full manifestation of the beauty of all of these gifts. Okay? So when we look at them, again, we could say, hey, I'm supposed to be growing to be more like the Lord Jesus, so that means I should be growing to be doing more and more of each of these things. That is true. That is true individually. But think now corporately. Think corporately, and I mean by that the whole body of Christ. Think about this. When the church, the body of Christ, is operating in a healthy way, meaning that the spiritual gifts that are given to the church are being manifested by the church, it is then that corporately the the Lord Jesus Christ is manifested in the most beautiful way. What do I mean by that? If somebody were to come and spend, I'm going to say, maybe a month or so with us here, I hope, I hope that as they dwell among us, they, 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 they spend time with us, the meetings and homes and wherever. I hope that they would begin to see a, a, a person excelling in evangelism. Another person who, wow, that person's a great shepherd. And they would look around and they would say, hey, I had needs. I had real needs. And they were met by a person with giving. It's almost like it was a supernatural ability to give. And, you know, I was having a really hard time. And someone came alongside me in mercy. It was almost a supernatural mercy that they displayed. I, I, don't, I don't do that well. And, and the teaching, the teaching was, as, was supernatural in a sense. It was, it was as if the Lord himself was doing it. And the faith that was displayed there and the helping that I received. So as they dwell among the body of Christ, as they dwell among the body of Christ, each of us are displaying to them in one way or another the Lord Jesus Christ in a supernatural way. So that when they hear the teaching, they say that teaching is, 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 is almost supernatural, but it is because it's a gift of God. And the way that they met my needs, they gave to me when I had, I was struggling. It was almost supernatural. And, and the mercy that was displayed to me was almost supernatural. And, and the encouragement I received from this brother or that sister was almost supernatural. And it was supernatural. And they may even come to themselves at some point and say, you know what? That church reminds me of Jesus. That church, not just individually, listen, this is not, we don't want a handful of superstar Christians, so to speak. This is not in the New Testament as far as what God wants from the church. One or two men or women or that, that are so like the Lord Jesus and the rest of the body just kind of gets drug along. This is not the New Testament church. But so that as someone comes in and they dwell among us, they would see corporately the Lord Jesus. They would see giving. They might walk out of the church and say, that's the most, excuse me, that's the most giving group that I've ever been around. 
Well, how many people gave to you? I guess it was just one or two. That's the most encouraging group I've ever been around. Well, how many people came up to you and encouraged you? Well, a handful. That, 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 the teaching, the, the mercy that was displayed to me, all of these things, they, they came and they served me, they helped me, and on and on and on. That church, well, how many did it? Well, a few of them did it. But corporately, we manifest the Lord Jesus Christ because he's all of these things. So look at what it says. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and notice the way that this is worded. I skipped a verse, um, maybe intentionally, I don't know. But anyways, Ephesians 4 said this in verse 11, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Listen to this. Till we all... Not till we each, though that is true individually, but till we all corporately come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that man is Jesus, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is Ephesians 4.13. So that we all are growing up corporately in a way that we are growing up into the stature of the fullness of Christ as a church, as a church, corporately, as spiritual gifts are used, as we take our part and we say, this the Lord has given to me, you know, I, I don't know where it came from because I didn't used to be very merciful before the Lord Jesus, but I feel this tremendous burden of mercy for God's people. Use it for the Lord. I don't know how I, I, the Lord gave me all these resources, but he did. I don't sure don't deserve them. I have a heart to give to God's people, then give. This is what Romans 12 says. If it's prophecy, then prophesy. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's giving, then give with liberality. If it's leadership, do it with faithfulness. And so forth and so on. And as we do that, we are not just individually manifesting the Lord Jesus Christ, but we are corporately manifesting the Lord Jesus Christ and in a supernatural way. So, what are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities or special enablements. What was the next part of the definition? Okay, we got a couple more. Sent from God. Where do spiritual gifts come from? Well, they come from God. This is repeated time and time again in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 1, 6, the gift of God. Romans 12, 3, God has dwelt, dealt to each one. It is God that gives the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, it is the Spirit of God that gives the gifts. It is God, the Son, Ephesians chapter 4. God the Father, Romans chapter 12. And God the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. The whole Godhead. In unison, they're all on board, so to speak. One God giving to the the church these spiritual gifts. You don't get to decide for yourself what gift you're given, but it is God that decides. This, you know, one fact could settle a lot of questions right off the bat. Jealousy, discontentment, covetousness of other people's gifts. They come from God. It is God that gives the gifts. He is the source. 
Not from mom and dad, by the way. We don't get our gifts from mom and dad. They're not passed down by family heritage. This is not the New Testament church, a family dynasty. It is not. But it is God who is the source of the gift giving. It is the elders especially that ought to be looking around, and we do, to see where is gift? What has God given to this person, to that person? It is God who is the source of the gift giving. You don't get to decide. Mom and dad don't pass it down to you through family genetics or family traits. It is given by God. We must hurry. There's more that could be said about that. It is God himself who gives the gift. They're sent from God. They're sent by grace. Let's look at this because this is very important. The gifts, the spiritual gifts to the church, the list that we have here are gifts of grace. In fact, the Greek word for gift in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4 is charisma. Charisma. Something like that. Charisma. I listened to it over and over, but I still couldn't get it. So charisma. C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A. Charisma. That's the word for gift. Charis, C-H-R-I-S, is grace. If you pull the word charis in the New Testament, you'll see hundreds of references to grace. 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 So the word gift itself is charisma. Specific grace, you could say. Grace that was specifically, divinely given. Charisma. Their gift of grace. But notice, in back in Romans chapter 12, the way that the apostle list this. We just read it, Romans chapter 12 and verse 6. Having then, listen to this, gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Having then charisma, specific gifts of grace according to the grace that is given to us. Charis. Do you think he wants you to know that these spiritual gifts are gifts of grace? Oh, he wants you to understand this. The Lord wants you to know. The Lord wants me to know. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't pay for it. I couldn't buy it. Whatever the gift is that God has given to me, that God has given to you, is a gift of grace. This is so important. This is foundational. Because oftentimes, when the Lord can finally get his body to start moving, to start doing what they ought to be doing, to start exercising their spiritual gifts, no sooner that he does that, than pride starts to come in. Well, you know the rest of those people there? They don't do it like I do it. They don't serve the Lord like I serve the Lord. They're not gifted like I am. Oh, it's just, just like that. In fact, we're going we're gonna to dwell on that next week for a little bit. They're gifts of grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You couldn't buy it. They're charisma, special gifts of grace by grace. Grace upon grace been given to you. The grace of God. Think about this for just a minute. I want you to read a verse from 1 Peter 4. This is the last of the four 
passages that I mentioned that speak about grace. I'm sorry, that speak about spiritual gifts. And Peter highlights grace. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says this. As each one has received a gift, charisma, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Do you think Peter wants you to know that the gift that you've been given is a gift of grace, that you couldn't earn it, you didn't deserve it, but God has graciously given it to you, freely bestowed it upon you? You are good stewards, or we ought to be good stewards, of the manifold grace of God. Manifold grace, that is to say that it is diverse, the King James would say. Various is another word for manifold. This is a multifaceted grace that God has given. He is a multifaceted God of grace, you could say. There are multiple elements and dimensions. It's not just the grace of God in salvation, but it's the grace of God as well in spiritual gifting, the grace of God. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but think about this for just a moment. Titus chapter 3 says this regarding you and I, okay? We ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures. That is to say, it's the same Greek word, we used to serve manifold lusts and pleasures. Did you? You did, whether you like to admit it or not. Did I? I did. I was a servant. In fact, my flesh within me still wants to serve manifold lusts and pleasures. So what the Lord has done, talk about grace. Talk about grace. He has taken you and I from being servants, slaves of manifold types of lusts and transformed us into stewards of manifold grace the same word manifold lusts i was a slave to a servant to now in christ jesus i'm a steward of his manifold grace the god of grace so next and we'll run through these last few by grace spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities special enablements you could say sent from god by grace to maximize a Christian's, and we'll stop there. Who are gifts, spiritual gifts given to? I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to emphasize the maximize too much because we've already talked about that a little bit with just the supernatural ability itself. But who are they given to? Does the whole world get spiritual gifts? Of course not. It is those who have the spirit of God that get spiritual gifts. but it's every Christian. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that it's not just the pastors and elders and teachers that have spiritual gifts? I thought they were the gifted ones. Gifts given to each and every one. By the way, there is no priority. There is no uh, uh, excelling of one gift above another. Some are public. Some are private. 
doesn't mean one, better than, one is better than the other by any stretch. In fact, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, depending on how you read it, but if I understand what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says something like this. Hey, you want to know something? Your body has some parts in it that are uncomely. They're not beautiful. Uh, well, let me think about it this way. When's the last time you went into somebody's home and you saw pictures up on the wall and it was a picture of a liver and a heart and lungs? Ah, oh, come on. Of course not. We put pictures of faces. We have certain body parts that are public, that are beautiful, that are comely, King James. But there are certain body parts that are, that are hidden. Hardly even know that they're there, but they're functioning. And if they didn't function, you'd be in a world, a world of trouble. In fact, Paul almost makes the argument that, uh, you know, you could lose an ear maybe or lose a beautiful blue eye and still manage, but you can't lose a heart and still manage. If your liver shuts down, you're in a world of trouble. Your pancreas, all these things within you. So, so every Christian has been given a spiritual gift not just the pastors, elders, teachers, evangelists. It's not just Billy Graham, folks. It's every single one of you. Each one, Romans 12 would say. Each one, everyone, 1 Corinthians 12 would say. There is no Christian that's been left behind. That's true. Not one. If God is faithful, and he is, and he's the giver of the gifts, you can be sure that you have a spiritual gift. Because God is faithful. It's not up to the elders to dispense them. It's not up to mom and dad to dispense them. You can be sure that every single one of you that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior has been given grace upon grace, not only salvation, but spiritual gifting to each and every Christian. All Christians, but only Christians. And in this way, Spiritual gifts differ from natural talents. There are lots of unbelieving people that have natural talents. They can sing, they can play sports, they can do all kinds of things. But spiritual gifts, as we look at the, the gifts that are listed in Scripture, they are for the Christians and only the Christians. Okay, so let's run through this very quickly. We're just about done. They are spiritual in nature. I'm not going to take time to develop that, but they're not natural talents. They're not that type of a thing, but they're spiritual and they are for service, service. I'm just going to put the last one up because we've already talked about the edification of the body quite a bit. So don't worry. We're going to close with number six, service. Spiritual gifts our supernatural abilities or special enablements sent from God. He's the source sent by grace. That's the supply to maximize the Christians there for each and every one of you. Spiritual service. First Peter 4.10. As each of you has received a gift, minister it, serve it. That's the same word. Serve it to one another. Think about this. God has given to each one of us, grace upon grace, so that we can serve the body of Christ with maximum effectiveness and efficiency. He's given you a gift to aid you and enable you to give. 
wait a minute, you mean these gifts aren't for me? I don't get to just sit at home and what do I do? Do I teach myself, Lord? Uh, merciful, do I show mercy to myself? Encouragement, do I encourage myself? This is not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are for ministering to others, for service. He's given you a spiritual gift to aid you in giving. When we give gifts commonly, when I can, my, we've asked our kids already, hey, what would you like for Christmas? Well, give me a radio control car, Dad. Uh, a fire pit, one of them said. Who's it for? Well, it's for me. I love fire. Well, this is not spiritual gifts. Gifts have been given spiritually to aid you in giving. Every single one of the spiritual gifts are for the edification of the body. They're to help you give. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Imagine, just for a moment, just be a childlike in this way. Imagine that God gave you the most wonderful gift that you could ever imagine, but it was just for you. Imagine God did this. I know it didn't happen, but imagine. He gave you a wonderful gift but it was just, just for little old you. One day you'd be sitting in your house and you'd be playing with this gift and you'd be thinking, as wonderful as this gift is, I've realized something. I've realized that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So thank you, Lord, for this gift you've given me, which is all for me. But I've realized something, Lord. When I sit at home and I toy around with this gift, it was fun for a bit, but it's actually more blessed to give than it is to receive. Lord, what you should have done is you should have given me a gift that helped me give because it's in giving that I'm more blessed and happy. Yeah, that's exactly what he's done. He's given you a spiritual gift to aid you in the service of the body of Christ. Gifted to give, you could say. And it is in giving that you're much more blessed, much more happy than you are in receiving. It is the same Lord who gave the gifts that said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Ah, the manifold wisdom of God. He was thinking ahead on these things. You've been gifted to give. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word this morning as we've looked into this whole topic. We do believe that your church is so important and that the gifts given to the church are so important. We thank you, Lord, for your grace upon grace, grace and salvation and the specific grace, the charisma you have dispensed to each one of us in giving us a spiritual gift to aid us in giving. What a tremendous joy. What a blessing. You are wonderfully wise and glorious. Oh, we exalt you as that this morning. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.